Hey guys, Jack here. Sorry we're a day late, although we were not delaying without reason. We actually have some extremely exciting news. Uh, the details are still in flux, but we are excited to announce that Christian Soto of Red Chip Poker and Software Y will be joining us in the booth for parts of our upcoming New York event this December 9th and 10th, uh, which is less than two weeks away. Uh, we aren't sure yet if we'll have them both days or not, but we'll send out details ASAP through our Twitter account, at Just Hands Poker, our website, JustHandsPoker.com, and next week's podcast. Also, feel free to email me if you want those details as soon as they are available. Uh, my email is jack at justhandspoker.com. We only have 18 total seats, nine each day, uh, and most have been filled. So if you're considering signing up, I suggest you do not delay. Head to justhandspoker.com slash New York event or use the link in the show notes. Uh, if you're unavailable those dates or you're out on the West Coast, also consider signing up for our event at Live at the Bike the following weekend. December 16th at the bike in LA. Uh, thanks again for tuning in and enjoy this week's episode. Hey, Zach. Hey, what's going on, Jack? Not a whole lot. Uh, man, let's get into a listener hand real quick. Let's do it. So this one comes from a charity poker room in Waterford, Michigan at about 9 p.m. And uh, we've played in some charity rooms in Michigan. Uh, good game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is at 1 2. And so our correspondent writes, this pot ends up going three ways to the flop. The main villain is under the gun plus one. He's probably in his late 40s and is a scruffy looking dude. He seems to limp call and raise too much preflop. And this guy estimates his VPIP and preflop raise uh, at 45 slash 25 over about 50 hands or so. So pretty loose for a, what's I'm guessing is a nine or 10 handed table. Uh, but seems somewhat competent post flop. Yeah. He'll play generally straightforward, occasionally call with without the right odds withdraws, but is willing to bluff. Okay. The other villain is under the gun plus three and is the craziest player at the table by far. Probably a VPIP preflop raise of around 40-25 over many nights of playing with him. He'll occasionally desire action and just go all-in preflop against basically, basically anyone but the tightest players as long as he has a suited king or better. Uh, he's never folding top pair or better except on a one to a straight or flush type board and isn't afraid to make huge hundred big blind semi-bluff raises if he senses any weakness. Okay. So this guy is extremely loose and extremely aggressive. Both villains played... It sounds like he has a good good sense of, like, you know, how people are going to react to him. Yeah, although he might not... If we perhaps feign weakness, he might fall for it. Um, Yeah. For sure. That could be a good strategy in a lot of spots. Both villains just played a $400 pot where villain one had aces and took it all on a jack-deuce-deuce flop versus villain two who had jack-eight. And villain two rivered a jack to win. Oh, so villain one did not take it all. Villain one is extremely tilted about this, and he and villain two have been yelling at each other a bit over the past few minutes about this hand. Villain 1 telling Villain 2 he's a loudmouth idiot, bad player, and Villain 2 returning that he just has more guts and is willing to gamble. My image is taggy, and Villain 1 may overestimate how tight I am because I've been card dead. But I play with Villain 2 plenty, and he knows I'm not ultra tight. Okay, great descriptions. So, Hero writes, I'm the effective stack with $300. Villain 1 has around 1k, and Villain 2 has 330-ish. We're 10-handed. Okay, so these preflop... Preflop frequencies are extra bad. Under the gun, one limps. Under the gun, three limps. And hero raises to 20. 
holding the King of Diamonds, Jack of Diamonds. Everyone folds except for these two villains who call. Uh, and just to recap, Undergun 1 is villain 1, and Undergun 3 is villain 2. Okay, uh, so we have $65 in the pot. The flop is the Jack of Spades, 3 of Spades, Deuce of Clubs. Nice flop. Checks to me, and I bet $40. And I think this is a fine sizing. Uh, I don't see a huge reason to go bigger or smaller. I think worse jacks will definitely call. If anything against these players, I might go bigger, since most of their hands are just going to be garbage, and I think they'll probably just fold. But I think this is is a fine sizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not really much to add there. We clearly need to be betting this hand for value. And uh, I think this is a good sizing, both that doesn't, I think, explicitly reveal the strength of our hand, but also it's just a little exploitatively big, like we should be doing at low stakes. Yeah. So villain one calls and villain two, unfortunately, folds. It's $145 in the pot. The turn is the queen of spades. And so this is a pretty bad card for us. Hold on, what what position are we again? I don't know if we got our own position. But we're in position. So anyway, it checks to us on this Queen of Spades turn. And I think this is a pretty good card to check back. We could definitely bet again, since I don't think the Queen beats us that much. But it is a spade, so there's three spades on the board. I think we're less likely to get value from worse than we were before. Uh, other than maybe worse value with a spade, which is not as valuable to bet into, but there's still some value, so I think this could go either way. What do you think? I think we should be checking back this hand. I think when we have a jack, you know, like the most likely hands our opponent's going to have here after check calling is going to be, you know, spade draws and jacks. We're blocking a jack. He could definitely have, you know, higher pocket pairs that are closer to a jack between three and jack but you know i think this definitely hits his range and most importantly it's gonna be hard to get value from worse and being in position if we're gonna get another street of value i think it's likely gonna be easier to get it on the river yeah i agree and i realized i was thinking a little bit more of like a i think the description of villain two sort of creeped into my thinking a little bit too much against this player i definitely checking back since i think he's much more likely to have or to be folding worse, and to have a lot of better hands here. Okay, so we got to the river with $145 in the pot. The river is the queen of clubs. Final board is jack of spades, three of spades, two of clubs, queen of spades, queen of clubs. Villain checks. So I think we should definitely be betting here. Oh, yeah. What do you think is a good sizing, Zach? Uh, $145 in the pot? I think probably like... You know, so we're tar- the thing is, are we targeting here just worse jacks, or are we also targeting, you know, those higher pocket pairs? I think it's probably best to just target the jacks, and I think you know maybe something like seventy dollars, maybe sixty, half pot a little bit under is going to do that, and then I think for that sizing, you know, to any type of raise, we'd be able to comfortably fold. Yeah, I would consider going even a little bit bigger. I think our range looks. We have a lot of hands that would maybe bet the flop, maybe not for the exact sizing, but would bet the flop and then check back the turn that definitely did not improve on this queen. Like, I think this queen 
improves almost no cards in our range. I think we would almost always bet a queen on the turn. So I think we have a slightly disguised hand. And so I would maybe size up just a little bit, like 85, 90. I think Jax would very likely call that sizing. And medium pocket pairs could sort of talk themselves into thinking that we are, are bluffing. But yeah, I think anything bigger than 70 is appropriate, smaller than 100. I definitely wouldn't bet bigger since Phelan could have a strong hand and could be check-raising in. I think it's less likely to call with worse. So Villain decides to bet $30, which I think we just both agree is too small. I think you can just get more value. And interestingly, our opponent raises to $95. So our opponent is giving us... We, are, we would need to call $65 to win what will be a... Let me do some math. $335 pot. So 65 to win 335 I think here, just kind of the... You know, it's a bad spot we get into just because $30, I think, for certain players, you know, means like I have a weak hand or maybe I'm bluffing and then maybe empowers them to bluff. But, you know, at a... Low stakes charity poker room. I think people are just not, you know, close to bluffing enough when they're check raising the river in the spot. So I think we could pretty comfortably fold, but would just add that, you know, if you don't feel comfortable betting seventy for value, then just check this hand back. Uh, I think thirty dollars is kind of the worst of both worlds. Also, when we bet thirty dollars, you know, they can have any flush here, but they can also have some random queens. I guess there's probably not too many queens they show up with here, but like, you know. If, if I call the flop with ace, ace queen or king queen floating with some overs and it's this run out, well, I would personally probably bet out. But if they happen to have a queen, you know, when you bet this much, they can feel like their hand's pretty good. So it's hard. It's just hard to know, like, with what range they're raising with. Yeah, I personally would definitely call. I also don't think that I don't think betting 30 is necessarily the worst of both worlds. Like. I think betting 30 is better than checking back since I still think that that'll be a plus EV bet. We're checking back. You know, we won't, we won't get any additional EV from that bet. So I'd rather bet $30 than check, but I I agree that like, we should just be betting bigger as previously stated. I think the reason, I think this is too exploitable of a fold for me to want to fold here. We don't, need to win very much at all. We, uh, we're going to be putting in about a fifth of the pot, so we need to win about 20% of the time. And I think that $30 bet just looks so weak that... And plus, this is like a... For our turn check range, back range, like, this is really a bad card. Like, we're not going to be checking back very many flushes, if any. And we're not going to be checking back very many queens, if any. So I think this is just like... The bet looks so weak. We're so capped that we can't fold here. And I still think like, yeah, villain is probably like, has it maybe even as much as two thirds of the time. But I think that it's just, it's too exploitable to, to fold here in my opinion. Okay. I understand that. Like um, if we bet 60 and he made it 150, it's an auto fold. Like I'm not even thinking about it, but 
Yeah, I think here. Yeah, I guess it's hard for me to say. I'm not used to betting these really small bets in these spots. So yeah, let me look. Let's look back you at make, this. You make, you make a. So this guy, and I'll just re, I'll remind you of the uh, description. Mm-hmm. So he's probably in his late 40s and is a scruffy-looking dude. Seems to limp call and raise too much preflop. VPIP preflop raise of 45-25 or 50 hands or so, but seems somewhat competent post-flop. He'll play generally straightforward, occasionally call without the right odds withdraws, but is willing to bluff. Reading that makes me think that we should be calling. I don't know if if you get a different vibe. No, I think you're right. I was, yeah, I, I was kind of forgetting about that initial description right. the time we got there. Against like it, it, a it's really a, it's a spot where it's like I, I, yeah, I don't think we're going to be good here most of the time. But again, with the pilots we're getting, we don't need to. Yeah, I think I was also just thinking a lot about my time in those charity poker rooms. And, right. I think it's easy to like probably all of a sudden a check raise bluff ever. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, also, if you're pitching like the sixty year old, sixty year old like weak type player, like then yeah, this this is a fold. But uh, against this guy, yeah, I think we should be calling. Okay, uh, so our villain writes. He writes a good amount about his thoughts here, so we'll we'll get into some of those. I believe preflop is standard, as I'm way ahead of villain of all three villains limping ranges, and I, I forgot to mention I think that under the gun also limped and then folded, but I don't think that changes anything really. So way ahead of all three villains limping ranges and get to playing position. I think the raise size they're rarely folding against. So on, so on. I, yeah, I think preflop is very standard, so we don't need to get too much into that. On the flop, I want a bet a size guaranteed to get called by all the worst jacks in the ranges and any pair. I think they could fold pairs worse than the jack if I got closer to the pot, but they definitely call or shove a flush draw if I got closer to the pot. So I can see an argument for a bigger sizing. And I think that really sums up well exactly what we were saying. So we're totally in agreement with you on the flop. Uh, when villain one calls, I think his range is jack 10 through jack 8. He thinks he would have raised better jacks pre-flop, except maybe not queen-jack offsuit. And I think that's probably true, given like your estimate of his pre-flop raise percentage. Although I would say like in early position, I would not be surprised to see other king-jacks and ace-jacks. Personally. People will surprise you. Some more suited jacks. And those would also surprise me a little bit, I'll say, since, again, early position... Not that people are necessarily positionally aware, but, you know, I don't think it's, like, automatically, like, jack-6, jack-5 suited are going to be in the range here. On the flop, at least. Any pair, 5-4 suited, and maybe even 5-4 off-suit for an open-ender, but I don't know if he limits 5-4 off-suit in this early position and calls $20. I'll give him a quarter of those combos. He has almost every flush draw except maybe unconnected 10 high or worse flush draws. So yeah, we we have a we have a few disagreements, but I think this is act, I think this shows I like a lot about this range. I think this is a pretty a pretty good thing to go off of. Although I guess we have we have some slight disagreements that do come into play, but yeah, uh, this is a round right I would say, and I like that you're using partial combos. Yep. Uh, when he checks the turn, I discount yeah, flushes. Yeah, I discount flushes, but definitely don't eliminate them because he could be easily looking at check raise. So I don't think he's the kind of player who realized that A, I should probably check behind with nearly all my one pair hands here, and B, I'm thinking enough that I will. Yeah, I think uh, that's good analysis of the turn. When he checks the river, I discount whiff straight draws 
that I think he would have looked to bluff with because I think he can represent a ton right here and can put pressure on hands I have even as good as aces. And the only great hands I'm lucky to have are jacks and queen-jack. I also discount flushes because obviously he tried to get value from those hands at some point. I put him squarely on a middling jack, as I've heard on the Just Hands Poker podcast. It's always better to go for thin value too much than not enough. So I try to bet an amount guaranteed to get called by those worst jacks. Since I think he realizes it's almost impossible for me to be bluffing here unless I see bet ace-king, I think that amount is $30. And we already discussed this. I think we just both we both think that you could get more. And I think you're maybe giving him too much credit to like think that hard about your your range. And I think he'll be thinking more about his hand and just like thinking that you look a little bluffy. Any other thoughts, Zach? Or about the thirty dollar sizing? No. No, well said. No, I mean I think I think we discussed it. Yeah. And I I will say like I don't think I think you're putting a little bit too much of your own thoughts into this player, like I don't think he's necessarily thinking that hard about he has a huge range advantage and should be betting like any sort of missed draw or like crappy hand that he has. Uh, so I don't think we can say that those are all gone when he checks. I definitely don't think that's the case. I think easily he could have given up. And then when you bet $30, think that like you're full of shit and decide to raise. I think that's fairly possible here. So, Hero writes, when he raises $95, I need to be right 20% of the time to make the call. I've been in nearly this exact situation so many times playing live, and this has yet to be a bluff. I always have either gotten the extra value from a worse second pair or been raised by a monster. The thought of my $30 bet looking extremely weak and possibly inducing a bluff raise did cross my mind, but I just haven't been bluffed in the spot yet at 1-2, so it's hard to imagine it being the case, even though I know he's capable of some bluffing. He raised in a quickish but not instantaneous way, like he was planning a river check raise, and just deliberating him out. I asked if he'd show if I fold, and he just confidently said, I've got you, in what seemed like a relaxed way. Despite the great odds, I responded, I don't know how you don't, and folded. Yeah, if he... I think once he, like... So we didn't have that information when talking about whether to call or fold. I think a, a quick check raise and a confident I've got you definitely leans me closer to a fold and i think like the fold is fine given that information i just wouldn't be folding here very often against a player that i've played 50 hands against who i've seen bluff who i know will show up with a ton of hands pre-flop and where i'm getting five to one and basically just cat myself like to you know just made a bet that looks super super duper weak i just wouldn't want to be folding too much there yep yeah i respect that Finally, Hero writes, I don't know how much okay. combos should factor in here compared to just estimating his overall bluffing frequency, but if he's not calling pre-flop with 5-4 offsuit, the only bluffing candidates that make sense are three combos of 5-4 suited, while there are dozens of flush combos. I also didn't even know for sure if this player is always calling with an open-ender without any spades in this spot out of position for this price on that flop, and thought he might raise sometimes in that situation instead. I was factored in that this is the worst hand I could have here. I have no spades and can easily make this call another time if I have ace-jack with the ace of spades, kings, aces, or any of the boats I could have. I'd love to hear if you guys think I should factor this in whatsoever or have zero concern at all for balance. I don't know that this is the worst hand you could have here by a long shot. At least not in the way your opponent's perceiving your range, and I think that's slightly more important. Like, uh, if your opponent probably thinks you have nothing... 
and then you're folding away top or sorry not top hair but you're folding away a fairly strong hand like that's more significant than like oh i would have only made this 30 dollar bet with you know a jack or better and so i have one of the worst hands that i could have here for exploitative reasons that's not a very valuable reason to fold and yeah i, I wouldn't think too much about balance here since you've already made an you've you've already taken an extremely unbalanced line so balance is already kind of out the window yeah for sure i mean when when we're playing live one two at a charity room i'm not thinking about balance the vast majority of the time yeah i also wouldn't i would not underestimate like the amount of times that villain has like a hand like ace 10 or ace 9 here or just something stupid that you're not thinking about like i'm i'm always amazed even at like a or just loose players who call too much love to call and like they call with hands you're like why would you ever call with that and just because that's what they do that's why they're loose and they call too much because they call with those hands so i think you're maybe underestimating the amount of crap that this player could have here yep okay all right all right rights please keep up the great work i discovered the podcast a couple months ago and i've listened to almost every episode good work sir oh we have results he instantly showed six of clubs, four of clubs. So we called a two-thirds powder on the flop with a gut shot to three outs to the nuts. A backdoor six high flush draw and no guarantee of seeing a turn. Uh, in the future, I'll obviously know how wide he's calling the flop and adjust, but I'd love to hear if you guys think that in the moment with the information I have, this should be a call. Well, you've heard my thoughts, so... I definitely think, like, given the metagame stuff, like, it leans me closer to a fold since I think people tend to be honest more than dishonest. But again, like... People call too much, and your bet looks really weak, and you had great odds. So, I would, I would, in almost all situations, be calling here against this villain. Fair enough. Yeah, f- fair enough. I, I'm more convinced that I would mostly be calling, but you know, I like I like to probably play a bit more exploitatively than you based on live reads. So, yeah, no, I think the live read is definitely like leaning me more towards a fold. So, you know, I think with that, it's it's a reasonable fold. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for writing in. We appreciate another awesome hand. Nice to be back in some way in the charity rooms of Michigan. Uh, That's where I got my start playing live poker, personally. All right, guys. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.